might just see how far the Scottish Hammer can drill this <laughs> thing. Right. Inside the 10 yard line. Inside the 10, baby. Well, I mean, come on. I, I, I just look at it like we're now a two and six football team and we're like afraid to go for it in a two minute drill. You know, like who cares if you give the ball back to the guys with a minute and 40 seconds left. They obviously got the field goal anyway. And once again, we're a two and six football team and it just feels like we're kind of afraid to lose a game. Uh, it's third and five at the end of the game. Um, you know, it's who cares if they have a timeout there at the end or not. You know, getting in field goal range isn't that tough. Uh, you know, so you're just putting your defense in these bad situations and... Talking Cleveland Browns football with the best fans in all of SB Nation. Now, here's your host, my dad, Delonious Seven. Sunday Morning Post. A very merry football morning to you and yours from Dogs by Nature. I am your host, Thelonious7, getting you ready for a Cleveland Browns game day. Ahead on the Sunday Morning Post, we will revisit the week's major themes surrounding the Cleveland Browns as they travel to 1.6 kilometer high stadium to do battle with the Colorado Horse Faces. We will also focus on five games of import to the Cleveland Browns and their dwindling postseason aspirations. Then we're going to get into the matchups. At the beginning of the show, we heard audio from Joe Flacco after the Colts lost. And we're going to hear from Coach Vic, Brandon Allen, and Texas A&M's own Vaughn Miller. And we're also going to hear from Todd Monkins, Freddie Kitchens, and OBJ, as well as make a prediction at the end of the show. We got a lot to get to, so let's get into it. Last week on the show, I predicted that the Browns would cover but ultimately lose the game against the Patriots. I was wrong about them covering, but I would say it's because I underestimated the amount of mayhem and freakishness that would befall the team early in that contest. The weather played a huge role in that, and there's no doubt that it had a big effect on the outcome. But weather, that is something you cannot control. You can't control what challenges you face, or what order you face them in. You don't control adversity, but you do control your response to adversity. For me, I'm judging Kitchens and Baker Mayfield and this team at large in the way they respond to adversity. That's not just about wins and losses. Although the record is indicative of the struggle, it's more about the hows and whys. A lot of the national media has begun to focus on Freddie Kitchens as the reason for the Browns record. I think I'd caution people from judging Freddie Kitchens just based on the record. It's better to gauge how he responds to adversity because of course that's what he can control. Kitchens wears a lot of hats as the coach of the Cleveland Browns. He is uh, at one level an offensive coordinator. Kitchens is organizing and play calling for the offense, managing egos, designing plays, and all the things that go into that. And for me, thus far this year, he's been a mixed bag of inconsistencies as an offensive coordinator. Year one, you're going to have that. You don't necessarily have to have that. But so far, I feel like you've seen signs of what you want to see from Freddie Kitchens. You've seen signs of the offense being productive. But the main thing is it's largely inconsistent with no real identity. 
thus far as an offensive coordinator, I'd give him a C minus D plus range grade. Some of that probably goes to Todd Monken, but when you're the head play caller, ultimately that grade is yours. There's some upside in the second half of the season, but his work as an offensive coordinator definitely has to improve. What I really appreciate about Freddie Kitchens is his work as a moral leader. He's the face of the organization and he's setting a tone for how the team should approach tasks. Now, opinions vary on whether or not he's been successful thus far in being a moral leader. My brother and I definitely disagree on this. I think the way he's responded to adversity has been great. I think the team has generally stayed together and I think some of the things he's done has really allowed some of his players to be successful where otherwise they might not. I'd give him a solid B here and it could get a lot better as well in this part. But I think he's shown the type of leadership you want to have for your organization, in my opinion. Now, the place where Freddie Kitchens really is struggling so far this year is in the third aspect of his job, and that's the game management aspect. I don't want to go in on any one decision because, you know, these decisions all take place in a context. You know, calling that 4th and 11 or 4th and 16 play the worst play ever doesn't take into context the account. The game was already over. Game managing is like playing poker. As I watch Freddie Kitchens make decisions, I see a guy who's playing with money that he can't really afford to lose. And then as he does this, he defaults to making a lot of aggressive plays. The real problem here is that as a game manager, you have to approach the poker table with a legit poker face. Your emotion is exploitable. Your aggression is exploitable. You absolutely have to continually surprise your opponent to wage all-out aggression. It's very difficult to do over the course of a whole game. David Skolansky posits deception as the fundamental theorem of poker. And I think it's a lesson that Freddie Kitchens needs to work on going into the second half of this season. In other words, he needs to learn how to pick his spots. We'll find out. You know, it's about the result. It's always about the result. Still on board with Freddie Kitchens. Now Baker Mayfield. Was I happy with the drive? No, we didn't score points. It's the dumbest question you could ask. What? Jesus, Tony. This is about as polarizing of a piece of audio as I can imagine. I mean, the Baker haters had an absolute field day with this one. Baker supporters see this as evidence that he's scrappy and he hates to lose. But the truth is somewhere in the middle. It kind of reminds me of this analogy we were talking about after week one where we were noticing that two wrongs don't make a right, that there'd be an aggression from the Titans and then a response from the Browns. The Browns get called on their response. That was the game that Logan Ryan jumped into the stands and received a donation of an adult beverage from one of the anonymous faithful. Maybe Baker could have come up with a more measured response and maybe that anonymous fan should have used a cup. But one thing that's clear about this metaphor, Logan Ryan is definitely Tony Grossi. Make no mistake, Grossi only wins here when Baker Mayfield loses. And when you put yourself in that situation, you've lost any measure of impartiality. I don't think it's possible to be a reporter without that. Well, we'll take a quick break and get back with the Focus on 5. You've been listening to the Sunday Morning Post on Dogs by Nature. It's time for the Focus on 5. Every week we focus on 5 games of importance to the Cleveland Browns. And this week, we have 5 excellent matchups for you to digest. 
up first on the focus is the Texans traveling to Wembley Stadium to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Texans bring a 5-3 record into the contest and they are a one-point favorite this Sunday. Deshaun Watson matches up with Gardner Minshew in this one. Listen to how Deshaun Watson described his last second touchdown against uh, the previous week's opponent. Yeah, I was just kind of just trying to make a play um, and try to spin him off. And when I spent him, his leg kind of came up and I'm not sure where it hit. It just hit my helmet. That's all I remember. And just kind of, just eye went shut and just kind of was kind of seeing Farrell um, kind of going to my, my right. I had to readjust my helmet and then this eye was actually going close to it. So I kind of threw it blind, but I kind of assumed where he was going and kind of adjusted and let my arm got it. And then I didn't even see the play until after the game. Um, you know, I just kind of just laid there and heard the crowd go crazy and knew we scored. That is an insane description and an even more insane play to watch live. There's no way I'm not going with Deshaun Watson to win this game in London. Game two on the focus is Vikings Chief. That's going to be a one o'clock start in Arrowhead Stadium. The Vikings bring a six and two record and they are going to be a four point favorite in this contest. Let's hear from both of the coaches ahead of this game. First, let's hear what Mike Zimmer has to say about his team. You know, we're maybe the only team in the NFL that is uh, in the top five in both offense and defense. Um, we're pretty healthy at this point in time. Uh, we have a chance to uh, play a lot of contenders here in the next uh, eight weeks. And uh, so I think that'll go a long way to uh, proving where we are. Going into Arrowhead is always a test, even without Patrick Mahomes. Let's see what Coach Reed has to say about this one. Look forward uh, to the challenge of playing Minnesota. We know they're a good football team and uh, they've got they're good on really in all three phases and, uh, and so our guys will start off this week preparing for them and getting ready to play like I said against a good football team yeah we'll see we'll see how it goes I'm taking it day by day here just you know watch them do their thing and see how they do read very matter of fact in its assessment you know I want to go with the Vikings you know my boss's husband is apparently a Vikings fan so it would be great to pick them in this one but at the same time, I just don't trust that team for some reason. Maybe it's Kirk Cousins. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Chiefs in this game, but we got to see. We'll keep a close eye looking at this one as the 1 o'clock affair goes off in Kansas City. Game 3 on the Focus on 5 is the Indianapolis Colts travel to southwestern Pennsylvania to battle the Steelers at Ketchup Field. Don't look now, but the Steelers are clawing their way closer to the 500 threshold they have a tough one as they deal with Jacoby Brissett and the Colts let's first hear from coach Tomlin on what he's thinking looking into this contest uh, football is our game my business is winning we got to do so in a, on a consistent basis and to be able to do it for the first time hopefully is a catalyst for us moving forward a springboard for us we're excited about this week um, we got an opportunity to play at home again against the AFC foe uh, in the Colts, but also um, got an opportunity to move to 500, man, at the turn. And, and to, to be able to say that with where we've, we've come from over the course of this journey, I think is significant. Uh, by no means are we throwing a pep rally, um, but we're in the midst of a fight. That team's in a fight, and they're not going to go away easy. As much as I want to pick the Colts in this game, I'm going to have to go with the Steelers at Ketchum Field. This next game isn't going to be easy either. 
Here we're going to have the pillagers from Plymouth traveling down to the greater Chesapeake region to take on the Ravens. So let's hear from the quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson. They're a great team. Great team, uh, you know, very successful organization. Um, we've had some really tough games against those guys. They've uh, always presented a big challenge for us. So it's a, uh, it's, it's a unique environment, pretty tough, very loud, and uh, they're very good this year. Uh, pretty much good every year. Um, good defense. Um, they were really great last year. I actually watched a lot of them last year because we almost played them in the playoffs. So went back to a lot of those notes. And, um, you know, they're playing good this year. Good offense, good defense, very good special teams, good coaching. Um, very tough physically, mentally. So we know we're, we're in for a very tough game. Tom, is there any part of you that uh, maybe misses having Terrell Suggs on the other side and some of the guys from the rivalry over the years? Those guys were great players, and I think, you know, probably a lot like us, it, they really set the standard for, you know, great defensive play. Um, you know, we've had that on both sides of the ball. They have too. Um, they've won a couple of Super Bowl titles in the last 20 years, so... Um, you know, I heard Ed's getting his Hall of Fame ring or something like that. So I'm sure they'll be uh, they'll be excited. Be a loud night. Um, I think communication will be a big factor for us. And uh, you know, good football, good execution against a very talented team. Tom, I know you don't have to face him, but you say you keep an eye on all the younger quarterbacks. What are your thoughts on Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I've seen him play a few times this year too, and um, you know, just exceptionally talented, um, speed, quickness. Uh, he's throwing the ball well. Um, he just has great awareness in the pocket, um, when to run. I think his productivity is is you know really been unmatched. Um, so he's got a very unique skill set. It's very difficult to um, simulate you know a level of that uh, type of player with that level of talent. And uh, you know our defense is going to be a big challenge for all of us. <laughs> now let's hear from the big problem himself, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you know, I'm just looking at it like any other game, you know, to prepare for, um, get ready to try to pull up another victory. A lot of veterans on the t um, defense, um, they play the ball, all 11 at the ball at all times that i seen on film. Um, that's how they get so many turnovers. It looked like uh, we just don't have to play ball. I'm not going against Brady because I'm not playing against him, actually, the defense is. But, you know, to get a win versus him, it'll be pretty cool. So I'm going there trying to win. The way this year is gone, I fully expect the Ravens to hand the team from the Plymouth region, their first loss. I'm going to pick it right now. We'll see how it goes. We'll be back with the Cleveland Browns preview right after this break. In game five of the Focus on Five, your Cleveland Browns traveled to the Colorado Rockies to take on the Denver Broncos. Cleveland is actually a four-point favorite as they faced backup quarterback Brandon Allen in his first official NFL start. Let's hear from Coach Vic Fangio, uh, Brandon Allen, and, of course, Vaughn Miller. Up first, Fangio gives us his thoughts about the game, and Andy talks a little bit about Joe Flacco. Good. You know, I mean, he, he's not happy about it, obviously. He's kind of... Surprised because he really doesn't feel that bad, you know. Um, the doctors are surprised he's not feeling worse based upon the MRIs and the tests, etc. So, you know, he's frustrated down a little bit, but you know, he's a pro. I can feel the tension from here between Fangio and 
Joe Flacco. And I think that maybe what they needed to have is that change of uh, guard at the quarterback position. Well, we're going to hear from Brandon Allen right now. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, you know, it's obviously a, a great opportunity this week. Um, the approach and preparation really doesn't change. Uh, I think as a backup, you prepare the same uh, as a starter does, and you're ready to go in at a moment's notice. So uh, as far as preparation and all that, nothing, nothing's going to change there. How comfortable do you feel with this offense? Yeah, very comfortable. Um, it's a very similar offense to what I came from. Uh, so even when I first got here, I was already uh, pretty comfortable. And then terminology, I've, I've learned uh, a lot of that as I've, as I've been here. So uh, I feel very, very confident with the offense. How many reps are you get? Uh, filling in for Joe Flacco, like getting some first-team reps in practice. I got a few uh, here and there. Uh, every week, usually there's a, there's a couple plays here and there that will give me um, just to be able to get in with the with the first huddle and uh, call plays with them and, and work with the center, uh, Connor. So, um, you know, I've had I've had a few plays here and there every week. What have the emotions been like since you found out you know you're going to start getting your first NFL regular season action? Yeah, you know, it's it's exciting. Uh, I'm very excited. Obviously, uh, this is the opportunity. That everybody wants, everybody everybody uh, strives for, and so I'm I'm going out to to do the best I can do. When I went back and thought about it a little more, I remember actually studying Brandon Allen during the 2016 draft class. He was definitely one of the dark horse candidates that people had talked about coming out of Arkansas. We're gonna see if he's gonna be able to perform this Sunday for sure. Now up next we have Von Miller. Von, what do you have to say about this game and about the Browns' struggles at large? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I, I really don't. Um, you know, it's the same offense. Um, he had so much success last year. Um, he's got better weapons this year, you know, with Odell and, and Jarvis and, you know, Ricky, Ricky uh, Seals-Jones, you know, uh, another Aggie as well. So I, I don't know what it is. I, I really don't. And um, you know, I don't want to find out. <laughs> I really don't want to find out. You know, I just want to go in there and play our game and do the best we can possibly do, you know. Um, I, I really don't know what, what is causing Baker's trouble, though. I'm hoping that Miller doesn't figure out what makes Baker Mayfield struggle either, right? We'll see what happens in advance of this game. Now it's time for your Browns. Quarterback Baker Mayfield knows the importance of the matchup between the Browns offense and the Broncos defense. Obviously, uh, playing great on defense right now. Um, Flacco being out, they're going to rely on that defense even more. Um, and, and just, I mean, they held Indianapolis to a few amount of points. So uh, they're playing well as a unit. Obviously, you got Von Miller on that side, uh, and Wolf is playing great. Um, you, you got some of the other guys on the line that, because of those two guys, are getting one on ones and they're taking advantage of their opportunity. Um, and then you got a secondary that's making some plays. Um, and in the games they play well, their secondary plays well. Um, and so I think it starts up front and their guys play free after that. Denver's defense is no joke. If the Browns are going to be victorious, they're going to have to be firing on all cylinders. Every game you win or lose, there's always a moment where you look back and you say the game was decided right then. Okay, So if you're playing every play, you end up on the good side of that more often than not. And that's what I mean by just go win the game. You're really trying to win every play. You know, you're not going to win every play. But if you consistently just try to play the best that you can and do your job on that play, then ultimately you'll be in position to win the game. Turning to the main page on Dogs by Nature, it looks as if the Browns have an advantage at quarterback as they start Baker Mayfield against 
Brandon Allen. That seems like pretty much a no-brainer. Not really sure what we're going to see with Allen, and I'm more concerned with Allen than I would be with Joe Flacco. That much is for sure. Now, at the running back position, the Browns still have an advantage, although the Broncos bring Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay into the game. And that, of course, is because the Browns have Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb averaging 5.5 yards a carry and six touchdowns on the year. I feel good about the advantage the Browns have at wide receiver. The Broncos traded away Emmanuel Sanders, and even though they have Corton Sutton and Deshaun Jackson, that's not really a matchup for Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. The position I'm in, I may be one of the only people, players in the NFL who's not a quarterback who could be blamed for a game, you know what I mean? Or blamed for this or that. It's just a position that I'm in, I understand it, I get it. It's unfortunate, but um, some of the criticism that's been on him is like, you can't sit here and say it's all on him, you know what I mean? We have to take a look at everything that's going on around him. Uh, and, and you know, and obviously he has to play better. I have to play better, Jarvis has to play better. Chubbs, we all have to do better. These are, these are, we all need to do better. You can't sit there and be like, it's Baker's fault. I feel like that's the easiest thing for us to do. And I've, I've been in situations, you know, where one person's getting the blame and the rest of the people are quiet, you know, just to kind of stay out of the fire. Like, I'm going to jump in the fire with him. I'll be the first one. I mean, the words sound so good to me. I'm just waiting to see it emerge on the field. Now, on the defensive side of the football, the things look a little bit more even, especially when it comes to the defensive line in the front seven. A game like this is going to be one of the trenches, and it looks like... Both defensive lines, to some measure, should have the advantage against the other team's offensive line. The secondary might be a little more evenly matched up, but it looks like Demarius Randall is going to be out again this week. And his backup is also going to be out, leaving TJ Carey to fill in as a free safety. But after accounting for a slight advantage to Cleveland Browns in the special teams department, I think I'm ready to make my prediction. I'm going to pick a defensive struggle, which is going to be a low-scoring affair. I don't think the Browns get to 20 points, and if they don't turn the ball over in critical situations, they probably don't need to. Whether or not that can happen on the road is another matter. I'm going to go ahead with this prediction of 14-6 Cleveland, because really, who wants to live in a universe where Tony Grossi is correct about Baker Mayfield? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> with that, we'll put this one in the books. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to make Dogs by Nature Radio a part of your day. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday Morning Post. My name is Thelonious7 on Dogs by Nature Radio. Take care, go Browns, and dog check.